0: John chapter 1, starting at verse 19. Now this was John's testimony when the Jewish leaders in Jerusalem sent priests and Levites to ask him who he was. He did not fail to confess, but confessed freely, I am not the Messiah. They asked him, then who are you? Are you Elijah? He said, I am not. Are you the prophet? He answered, no, Finally, they said, Who are you? Give us an answer to take back to those who sent us. What do you say about yourself? John replied in the words of Isaiah the prophet I am the voice of the one calling in the wilderness, make straight the way for the Lord. Now the Pharisees who had been sent questioned him, Why then do you baptize if you are not the Messiah, nor Elijah, nor the prophet? I baptize with water, John replied. But among you stands one you do not know. He is the one who comes after me, the straps of whose sandals I am not worthy to untie. This all happened at Bethany, on the other side of the Jordan, where John was baptizing. The next day, John saw Jesus coming towards him and said, Look, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. the man on whom you see the Spirit come down and remain is the one who will baptize with the Holy Spirit. I have seen and I testify that this is God's chosen one. The next day, John was there again with two of his disciples. When he saw Jesus passing by, he said, Look, the Lamb of God. When the two disciples heard him say this, they followed Jesus. Turning round, Jesus saw them following and asked, "'What do you want?' They said, "'Rabbi,' which means teacher. "'Where are you staying?' "'Come,' he replied, "'and you will see.' So they went and saw where he was staying, and they spent that day with him. It was about four in the afternoon. Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, was one of the two who heard that John had said, and who, and who had followed Jesus, The first thing Andrew did was to find his brother Simon and tell him, We have found the Messiah, that is, the Christ. And he brought him to Jesus. Jesus looked at him and said, You are Simon, son of John. You will be called Cephas, which when translated is Peter. The next day, Jesus decided to leave for Galilee. Finding Philip, he said to him, Follow me. Philip, like Andrew and Peter, was from the town of Bethsaida. Philip found Nathanael and told him, We have found the one Moses wrote about in the law, and about whom the prophets also wrote, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. Nazareth? Can anything good come from there? Nathanael asked. Come and see, said Philip. When Jesus saw Nathanael approaching, he said of him, Here truly is an Israelite in whom there is no deceit. How do you know me? Nathanael asked. Jesus answered, I saw you while you were still under the fig tree before Philip called you. Then Nathanael declared, Rabbi, you are the Son of God. You are the King of Israel. Jesus said, You believe because I I told you I saw you under the fig tree. You will see greater things than these. He then added, Very truly I tell you, you will see heaven open and the angels of God ascending and descending on the Son of Man.
1: Good morning, everyone. Oh, come on, you can do better than that. Good morning. Good, you're listening. Great. Right. Well, uh, let me pray. Father God, we thank you so much that your word is true and that we get to gather around it this morning. And if I'm honest, I'm just stood here and I'm thinking if John the Baptist um, was unworthy to untie the sandals on on the feet of your son, who am I to, to stand here to say anything because of Jesus or about him? Lord, I am am an unworthy servant, but I pray, Father, that you would use my fumbling words this morning to magnify your son, and may he, Lord, be lifted up in the presence of all of us. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Now, I wonder for a second if you were going for an operation in a hospital, and um, where else would you go? All right, okay, you went went for an operation, and then the, the surgeon came to see you beforehand, and he said, well, hi, I'm your surgeon today. I'll be mucking around with your heart. Um, I've done a couple of O-levels, got an A-level, and um, I've read a few books on, on surgery, um, and I'll be, taking part, I'll be doing your operation this morning, and, and this will be my first. How would you feel? You'd leg it out of the hospital quicker than you possibly could, right? Right. Okay. Imagine you were getting on a plane on, on Friday, and you hear this announcement. Hello, my name's Derek, okay, and today is Have a Go Friday here on Ryanair, because where else would it be? And um, I've never flown a plane before, but I figured, hey, today I'd give it a go. What would you do? You'd get off that plane as quick as you could, right? You would, because you want to know that your surgeons are qualified for the task. They've spent years in surgeon school. I've never been to surgeon school, so I don't know what right words to say. But you, know, you you want to know that they're qualified, that they've, had, they've done it plenty of times before, that you're in safe hands. When you get on a plane, you want to know that, that Ryanair or whoever it is are investing in the best pilots to make sure you can get from A to B as safely and as securely as possible. You want to know that they're qualified. And, and qualifications are right at the heart of the text we're going to be looking at this morning. You see, John is being questioned about his qualifications to, to, to be someone who gathers disciples. He's being questioned in that way. And the short end of the message is he's not qualified. And something which is really, which we'll find, hopefully, is really encouraging for us because we're not qualified either if we're thinking about ourselves as being witnesses for Jesus. Okay, And if you're a visitor today, maybe you're coming as a seeker and, and, and you want to find out more about Jesus, maybe I've just really discouraged you because... We're not qualified. But the wonderful thing about this passage, as we look into this, we will see that we are not qualified, but we have a great Savior who is. And that's where we're going to go on our journey. And the first thing I'm going to be talking about this morning, my first point is simply this, I am not. And I'm talking about myself, talking about John the Baptist, but I'm also talking about you. You can say that yourself. I am not. So... The, these um, Pharisees and, and te- pe- people who have been sent by the, the, the important religious teachers of the day have been sent to Jesus, and they're questioning him, and, and they ask him a, a series of questions, and they, they really want to get to the bottom of why this guy, John the Baptist, who, who looks a bit weird, eats locusts and honey, dressed up in, in camel hair, he looks a bit odd, why he's gathering a crowd to himself, where does he think he gets the authority to do such a thing, and people are Gathering around John the Baptist, he's got quite a big following, and they're saying, "Well, where does your qualifications come from? Tell us." And the questions they ask um, are are really interesting. But what the way John starts his testimony is really interesting as well. You see, there are lots of people gathering around in that time period who who would claim that they were the Messiah, and and they might gather a following to themselves. But John's testimony is unique in the time because he doesn't say his testimony isn't "I am the Messiah." His testimony is, I am not the Messiah. Look at verse 20. Look, well, I am not the Messiah. He did not fail to confess, but confessed it freely. I am not the Messiah. I am not the guy you're looking for. That's how he starts his ministry. That's how he starts his testimony. So then they, so, so these teachers of the law are a bit confused, and they say, well, okay, maybe you're not the Messiah. Maybe you're Elijah, which is the question they ask in verse 21. Are you Elijah? Basically, in the Old Testament, God promised that he would send one like Elijah to come before the Messiah, and um, that kind of got embellished to the point where they thought Elijah might come himself in the flesh. And and, and John says, no, no, I'm not Elijah. I'm not Elijah. Are you crazy? No. So then they ask another question. Or maybe you're the prophet that Moses spoke about in verse 21, he says, that Moses spoke right back at the beginning of the Bible. He said that one day a prophet would come who's, who's like Moses, who speaks with God, just like Moses does. And maybe you're this guy, and, and John says, nope, that's not me. I am not. Well, then who are you? He says, well, I am the voice of one calling in the wilderness. Make straight the way of the Lord. That's his testimony. That's who he is. So he says, look, I, I, I'm not even a person. I'm just a voice. Uh, you, 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 know, you shouldn't be looking at me. You, you, you should be looking for the one that I'm calling about, the Lord who is coming. Don't pay any attention to me. I'm just a road sign. That's all I am. Now, if you're driving down the road and you see a picture of falling rocks on, on a sign, you don't stare at the, at the sign, do you? You look at the cliffs around you to make sure no falling rocks fall on your car. Because the sign isn't the point. The rocks falling on you is the point. And and John said, look, I'm just a sign. I'm I'm nothing special. I'm in the wilderness. I'm not sat on a throne. There's, There's nothing about me that's special. I'm just the road builder. I'm the road sweeper preparing the way for the Lord. That's all I am. I'm not qualified. Oh, look, in verse 27, he says, look, the one who is coming, who is worthy, the one who is qualified, I'm not even worthy to stoop down and untie his sandals. Well, I, I am so unworthy, I'm so unqualified, that the one who is coming soon, I, I'm, I'm, not even, I'm not even worthy to bow before him and, and take his sandals off. That, that's how unworthy, how unqualified I am. It's an interesting way to start a testimony, isn't it? I am unqualified. You see, John knows who he is. John knows he is is the forerunner for the one who is worthy. John knows he's the sign. John knows he has a message, but the one his message about is far more important than him. He isn't the message. The one who comes after him is the message. He knows that. He gets that. And he won't let anything get in the way. When they're questioning him and they say, look, what makes you special? Nothing makes me special, he says. I am not special. Don't look at me. Look at the one I'm preparing you for. Get ready for him. He's the special one. He won't let anyone put him in the way of the one who will come. The one who he lives for. The one who he was created to be a witness for. His whole existence is around the one who will come. And he won't let anyone get in the way of that. He says, I am not qualified. Now bear in mind, this is the guy that Jesus will one day go on to say in Matthew 11, verse 11. Truly I tell you, born of women, there has not risen anyone greater than John the Baptist. So you say, look. Jesus says, out of all the people that have ever lived in all the earth, John the Baptist is the best of them. And it's this, John the Baptist, who says, I am not worthy, I am not qualified. So easy to put ourselves in the way of the message we proclaim as Christians or to think that somehow we we um, are are more important than the message itself. And there are a thousand ways we do that. Maybe it's through the temptation of wanting to be something. Maybe that's why people get into Christian ministry. Maybe that's why you're studying the Bible is because one day you want to do what I'm doing right now, stand in front of people and and preach the gospel. And you want to be someone. You want to be someone that people listen to, that people take notice of. And and I'll confess freely before you, when I started in Christian ministry, I think I started with somewhat good motives, but they were mixed with really bad ones, about wanting to be in front of lots of people, wanting people to hear me talk. And my pride could easily get in the way of the message that I'm supposed to proclaim. As many of you know, I'm preparing um, to move with my family to Sweden to, to, to plant a church, I'm um, over there, and I go around, and I'm visiting lots of churches, and what am I doing all the time? People are asking me, what are you going to do, and what am I doing? And I feel like I'm explaining my qualifications. You know, I've, I've had this much ministry experience, and I've done this, and I've done that. Yeah, so I'm the guy who's going to plant the church in Sweden. I'll tell you now, I, I'm not. <laughs> I don't feel that way, but I feel I, often I, I'm pushing myself forward rather than pushing Christ forward. It's so easy to do. Maybe it's not about wanting to be the person at the front, maybe it's about wanting to make something of the person at the front. Maybe it's it's, it, it, it's not that you want to be standing here, but maybe, maybe there's a just the type of person that you want to be standing here and you want to say well it's not about me but it's all about them. I love coming to listen to Daph, I love coming to listen to, to Matt, that Ben's alright too. You know, I, I like the way that they, that they share, share the message and I just want to come and I, I want to hear what they've got to say because I could never do that. And we make somebody else the point. Maybe when Bobby left, you felt, you felt like leaving. Or maybe there are people who are not sitting here today because they left because Bobby left years ago. Bobby was a pastor here a few years ago. And we, It's so easy to make a that about a person and not about the one that they're talking about. It's so easy to make it about us and not about the one we're talking about. And we can do it even about this building. Just think about it. Our vision statement nothing beats knowing Jesus, right? That's the pinnacle of our vision statement. Now, how often when we're talking to people about the church do we instead try to put something else at the end of that sentence nothing beats knowing Jesus? Nothing beats the King Center. Nothing beats Jacob's well. Nothing beats the welcome you get at the church. Nothing beats the family that we have. Nothing beats uh, the, the contemporary music that we have that we all love singing. I don't know what it is. Maybe it's the life group. That we, we, make, we make those the things that we talk about because we think that that's the hook that we need to get people with. Those things can easily get, as wonderful as they are, and I'm not saying we shouldn't have them, those things can easily become more important than the one who is to be our message. We can't get in the way of his message. Not let anything get in the way of the message. No one is more important. You could have someone with the wit of Daff, the clarity of Matt, and the Yorkshire charm as me. Okay? And if they're not talking about Jesus, if, if they're becoming the focus, then their ministry is worthless. It's all about the message I am not I am not nothing beats knowing Jesus, I am not but Jesus is I am not but Jesus is, we are not qualified but Jesus is And verse 29 John continues his testimony and he, he says four things that I'm going to highlight here the first thing he says is, 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 is with his disciples, um, the next day in verse 29, he saw Jesus coming towards him, he says, look, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. So we're going to split that into two parts. So first we're going to think about the Lamb of God. Now, in the Bible, lambs do two things, okay? Well, and they're both, before they do one of the two things, the, one thing happens. The first thing that happens is lambs die. In the Bible, if you see a lamb, it's gonna die. Okay, lambs die, beginning to end, lambs die. And they either die for food or they die for sacrifice. And here, it's not focusing on food, it's focusing on Jesus being the lamb who is a sacrifice. In the Old Testament, specifically in Leviticus, lambs were slaughtered by the truckload. Why? For the sins of the people. Something innocent had to die for a sinful person. If I lived in ancient Israel and I was feeling the weight of my sin, what was I to do? I was to, to find the best lamb I could find. Um, if I didn't have one amongst my sheep, I was to go to my neighbor's uh, lambs and, and find the best one I could find, one without blemish, without spot or wrinkle. And I was to buy that at great cost and take that to the temple. And that lamb would die in my place for the sins that, for the sins that I've committed. He would die in my place. But the the truth is we know that the blood of a lamb can't really take away any sin. So, So really, all the way through the Old Testament, it's about pointing forward to one who would. And here we see the one who will. Jesus is God's lamb. Jesus is the lamb that God brings. Jesus is the lamb that God goes and finds the most precious thing that he has, the most perfect lamb that he could find. And he brings Jesus to the altar And the question is, why would would he bring Jesus to the altar? God doesn't need a sacrifice, does he? God is sinless. We sacrifice so that we could be with him, don't we? Well, that's the point. He's the lamb of God, the lamb God brings, the lamb God slaughters, who takes away the sin of the world. Not just for the sin of one man, of one family, or even one nation, but for all men and women and children who would believe in his message. That's this lamb. That's this special lamb. Revelation 5 verse 9 says, um, there's a song in heaven that's sung, and it says, you are worthy to take the scroll to open its seals. Why? Because you were slain, and with your blood you purchased for God persons from every tribe A language and people and nation. Jesus is the Lamb God brings to die for the sins of all who would believe in Him, regardless of the language they speak, regardless of the color of their skin, regardless of the culture they're used to, regardless of the taste they have in music, regardless of your class. Regardless of your background, regardless of anything you've done, and no matter how bad and horrible it seems to you, it doesn't matter. Jesus is the perfect Lamb that God has brought to die for the sins of all who would believe. For you. That's who Jesus is. All the weight of my sin was laid on Jesus. All the weight of your sin if you would trust in him, was laid on Jesus. The weight of all the world's sin of everyone through all of history who's ever trusted in Christ, the weight of all that sin is placed on Jesus. You can take this message to the farthest reaches of the world at any point in history, you could proclaim Jesus, and you will never find an end to the grace that he offers. There's no, you can't take it to anyone who would be able to say, look, my sin is too bad for Jesus. No. He is perfect enough. He is wonderful enough. He can bear the weight of all sin. Well, how could a mere man bear all that? Well, the answer is he isn't a mere man. We already saw that last week. But here we see a glimpse of it as well in verse 30. A man, and as John continues his testimony, a man who comes after me has surpassed me because he was before me. Now, you might not know this, but that's actually a really, really strange thing to say about, about John, for John to say about Jesus, because Jesus was actually John, uh, John's younger cousin. Um, John the Baptist was six months older than Jesus. So John the Baptist isn't talking about Jesus' age chronologically. He's talking about Jesus' eternality. We talk about the fact that Jesus has always existed. That Jesus was, was the part of the triune God, Father, Son, And Holy Spirit who's always existed through who all, everything was created. We looked at this last week. And he is the one who comes into the world to be the Lamb of God. When God was looking for the perfect spotless Lamb, he bought the best he could find. And it wasn't something he could make. It wasn't something he could muster up. It was his own son. The eternal son of God. The best he could find was himself and he came to be the lamb who would take away the sins of the world the lamb that would be slaughtered to take away the sins of the world no other lamb would do behold the lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world is that good news for you this morning it's the best news in the world there is no better news than this yes there's lots of wonderful things in Christian teachings that we can go on to teach but they all stem from this truth every Christian benefit is built on this Jesus died for your sins that's good news now imagine you go on holiday and you come back from holiday a few weeks later and you find a little note poked through your letterbox from your neighbor and it, and it simply says, while you're away, a bill came to your door, but don't worry, I paid the debt. Okay, and uh, how would you respond to that? Well, if you wouldn't really know how to respond to it, would you, unless you knew what the bill was. I mean, if it was for post, a postage stamp that wasn't quite paid right, and you owed them, and it was a few pence, you might go around and give them a nice, oh, thank you very much for that, and be a little embarrassed. <laughs> but, but what happened if your mortgage fell through, and you're about to lose your home, and, and you, you're going to live on the streets and be destitute, okay? And imagine that. And, and the neighbour just just says, "Oh, I paid that for you." How would you respond then? How grateful would you be for such a neighbour? Well, unless you know the weight of the debt, you can't really appreciate the gift. And, and that's so true about this statement. Jesus says, "Behold," John says, "Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world." And unless you understand. The weight of your own sin, you will never grasp and be joyous at this fact. And the reality is, we talk about God's love a lot and it's wonderful, but the reality is, and I'll say this to everyone here, the wrath of God is upon all who have not turned from their sin and trusting in Christ. God's eternal anger, that's what the Bible says, is, is going to be poured out on all who do not trust in the Son. We know John three 16, don't we? For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. And then we like verse 17, for God did not send the Son into the world to condemn the world but to save it through him. But maybe we might not like or find 18 verse so easy. Whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe stands condemned already because they have not believed in the name of God's only Son. If you don't believe in Jesus Christ this morning, you stand condemned before a holy God. Maybe you're offended by that idea. I don't want to offend. I don't stand here as someone who has a, has a right to say this message. I'm just as sinful as everybody who's sitting in this room. I'm not trying to offend you. I want to be honest with you let me ask you a question if, if you were to know that you were going to face and stand before a holy God tonight the God who created the whole world if this was the last sermon you were ever going to listen to and the next thing is you're going to meet with God because let's face it life is fragile that could be any of us do you really think you can stand before one who is utterly perfect utterly holy utterly good utterly true utterly self-giving. Have you really been good enough? Have you really been loving enough? Have you really been forgiving enough? Have you really been patient enough? Have you really been kind enough? Because I haven't. Neither of you. And it is out of love I tell you this morning if you are not ready to meet with God you need to hear this message. And unless you feel the weight of your sin, you will never realize the great and wonderful news that is, behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. That is great news. And when you realize it, when you believe it, when, when you understand what it means, it's like chains gone, a weight lifted a joy forever in your heart it's joyous it's wonderful and he can take away your sin this morning not because you're qualified not because I'm qualified but because Jesus is qualified I am not a physician you are not a physician we are not physicians of the soul but we have one who is. We have one who can save. We have one who does forgive. We have one who dies to save his enemies. And then John says, verse 33, "You know, I baptize with water, but he will baptize with the Holy Spirit. Not only is he the one who dies for us, he's the one who fills us with the very presence of God so that we're able to live a life for him. We are not qualified, but he is. It's not about us. It's not about our qualifications. It's not about how good we are, how clever we are, how, how good we are at evangelism, how good we are at apologetics, how, how eloquent we are at speech. It's not about that. It's about him. It's all about him. It's not about evangelism and being a Christian. It's about believing in yourself. It's about believing in him it's not about saying I can do it it's about saying I know the one who has it's about pointing to Jesus and I think that's where my last point comes into And we'll, we'll try and go through this quite quickly it's I am not but he is and the final thing I want to say is come and see come and see there are many different ways to be saved and there's a uh, to become a Christian. And there are a number of examples here in this passage, and we'll whip through, some, we'll whip through them quite quickly. Um, there, there are almost as many ways to become a Christian as there are leaves on a tree, <laughs> okay? And, and I think it's worth saying as we go through these stories that um, the point of them isn't um, to make us think, oh, evangelism is easy, and talking to people like Christ is always easy. I think the point of them is, is to help us see the diversity, but also the simplicity of what evangelism is we've already said we're not we're not qualified so what does that leave us well actually I think it leaves us in a good place when we see uh, how the witnesses of Christ continue so from verse 35 to 51 and the first way we see is John the Baptist so the day after his testimony in verse 35 the next day there was John the Baptist again with two of his disciples and he saw Jesus passing by again and he says look the Lamb of God So so the preacher preaches to his followers and they go and they follow Jesus. It's the preacher's job to point to Christ. Maybe that's how you came to faith. Maybe you came along to a sermon just like this and and you heard the preacher speaking and he was talking about Christ and it was as if he was speaking just to you and, and you felt the spirit... On your heart, and you knew Jesus was real, and you, and you trusted in Christ that day. I've heard that stories, stories like that, many, many times. Maybe that's you here this today. You've just come along, and the Spirit is speaking to you this morning. But then the next, next after that, we see a family member in verses 40 to 42. Andrew, um, he goes off after he's spent time with Jesus, and he goes and finds his brother. "What well, we found the Messiah," he says, "the one we've been looking for our entire lives. We found him." Come and see. And maybe that's your story too, that, that you saw the change in a family member, a brother, a sister, a mother, a father, and then, and then they brought you along to church. And then you wanted to know what had changed them, and you came to know Christ. Maybe that's you this morning. Maybe you're here because there was a member of your family that brought you along. But then also in verse 43, that there's that private call from the Savior. You see, Philip is called personally by Jesus in verse 43. The next day, Jesus decided to leave for Galilee. Finding Philip, he said to him, follow me. Then he started to follow Jesus. Maybe you're minding your own business in life. Just getting along with your day. You weren't brought up in church. You'd never read the Bible. And then something struck you in life. And you thought, you know what? I need to go find out about Jesus. Maybe that's what happened to you. Or maybe that's you this morning. Maybe this is the first church service you've ever been to. Maybe you never a week ago you've never imagined that you'd be here. And here you are this morning because Jesus has brought you along. Because you felt the very real call of God. Or maybe you came to Christian through friends. And so Philip in verse 44, the first thing he does after he discovers who Jesus is, is he goes and he finds his friend Nathanael. And Philip and and Nathaniel have spent many years looking for the Messiah. And Philip has found him. He says, look, you know that thing we've been talking about all our life? this This is what we've been looking for. Maybe you had a friend, and together you'd been searching for the truth. And they found it first, and then they invited you to come and find it alongside them. And maybe that's you this morning. You're here because a friend has brought you. Because they've found Jesus and they want you to find him too. And maybe, like Nathaniel, you come along a little bit sceptical. Nathaniel comes along and says, surely nothing good comes out of Nazareth. And maybe you thought, surely nothing good comes out of Chesington. Or surely, maybe you came and you thought, surely nothing good comes out of Christianity. But you know what, just because you say it, I'll come and find out. Maybe that's you this morning. I'll give it a try. Or maybe it's something completely wacky. And unique. I actually love this story about Nathanael at the end. You know, Nathanael comes, he's skeptical, and Jesus says, Here truly is an Israelite in whom there is no deceit. In other words, a guy who just speaks his mind, who tells the truth. Okay, and then this is the thing that converts him. In verse 48, Jesus said, while I saw you while you were still under the fig tree before Philip called you. And Nathanael says, Rabbi, you are the Son of God. Now, what was going on? What, what on earth is the significance of the fig tree? I don't know. I can speculate as to what happened. But something amazing happened in Nathaniel's mind. Maybe, it's, it, I don't think it was that Jesus was walking by and he physically saw Nathaniel. I think this was something Nathaniel was going, there's only one way you could have known this, and that's if you are the son of God. And, and it won't convince anybody else in the world i, I don't know anybody else that's become um, converted because um, i've saw them under or jesus saw them under a fig tree but it was unique for nathaniel and maybe that's you and if you, when you tell people the story it sounds a bit wacky and crazy and it wouldn't convince anybody else but you knew it was true and maybe that's you this morning that's okay there are many ways for people, Jesus can bring people to the sun. God loves diversity. But they all have a very simple methodology behind them. And it's this come and see what I have found. I am not the physician, but I've met the physician. I've met the one who is qualified. And I want you to come and see him too. That's the basic, that's the simplicity of it. It's not about. Being a, I mean, it, apologetics is great. That's all fantastic stuff. But, but, but don't ever think for a second, I'm not qualified to talk to somebody about Jesus. If you have been saved, if you've had your soul healed, if you've had your sins forgiven, all you need to say is, Come and see what I see. Come and have a look for yourselves. I'm not saying it's going to work every time. I don't think that's the point of this passage. But that's all it needs to be. Come and see Jesus. And there are ways you can do that. If you're here this morning and you want to find out more about Jesus, let me give you a few ways. A book, Finding More, a book of testimonies of people, of how they came to know Christ. Unique testimonies that are really encouraging to read. I'll leave some of these on the back and you just grab one. If you want to take that or read it and give it to a friend. If you don't like reading about testimonies, some DVDs. Watch some testimonies. See how Jesus has made an impact on people's lives. Maybe you want to just grab a gospel and read it for yourselves and see. Come and see. Come and see Jesus for yourself. Another thing we're doing at church is we're doing something called Word One-to-One. And if you would love to read the Bible with someone to find out more about Jesus, then then come and speak to me afterwards. I'll do it or, or somebody else can We would love to read the Gospel of John with you, so that you may come and see Jesus for yourself. But regardless of your story, regardless of the reason you're here this morning, I want you to know, just like Jesus saw Nathanael, Jesus sees you. He knows why you're here this morning. I don't know. I, I, I don't have a crystal ball. I'm not qualified. But Jesus knows why you're here. He sees you. And he's inviting you to come to him, to know him as the Lamb of God who would take away your sins. And I love the way this story ends. I'm just going to end this really quickly. Jesus says, you believe because I told you I I saw you under a fig tree? You will see greater things than that. Very, very, very truly I tell you, you you will see heaven and open, sorry, you will see heaven open and the angels of God ascending and descending on the Son of Man. And the essence of what Jesus is saying here is, You ain't seen nothing yet. We're two chapters into the Gospel of John. Towering image of who Jesus is. But there is so much more of Jesus to see. You ain't seen nothing yet. Please come come back. Continue to find out more about Jesus. I am not qualified. You are not qualified. But we have a Savior who is. Let's invite people to come and see. Behold the Lamb of God, who takes away the sin of the world. Let me pray. Father God, we thank you. Thank you that, that our testimony to you doesn't depend on our own ability um, to be qualified or, or anything. It just depends on our ability to talk of Jesus. So may we talk of Jesus at every opportunity. Lord, help us to, to make him the center of everything we think about, say about, and talk about. May, Lord, may he... May the joy of the gospel just take over our souls so that we can invite our friends and families and neighbors and and enemies to come and hear about this wonderful Savior, Jesus. Amen.